All right, happy Tuesday, Orange fans. Welcome back to Locked On Syracuse. Tim Leonard and Tyler Rocky, as always, thanks for tuning in and hope you're staying safe out there. Some big news came out yesterday that we're going to dive into right off the top here, and you can always find us on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse and check us out every single day wherever you get your podcast. But Matt Harms was the big news, Tyler. The Matt Harms sweepstakes, the Purdue Center, is on the board, and Syracuse has cracked his top 25, I, I guess, kind of, yeah, based I mean, on what was tweeted out. <laughs> basically, if you have a state or a university in your school name, you are on the list. So welcome to the club, <laughs> Syracuse University or University of Syracuse. Who knows? But there's, uh, yeah, I mean, this list, every type of school is on this list, I think. You've got teams that are your absolute blue bloods like Kentucky. You've got Louisville, Gonzaga up there. I mean, Syracuse, you can throw them in a seat at the table right there. You've got like the new and emerging programs as well, like Arizona and stuff like that. You've got teams that have zero business even reaching out to Matt Harms, like Cal State Fullerton, yep. San Jose State. Rick Patino's in the sweepstakes, too. Welcome, Iona, to the table. Um, and then you got teams that are just kind of like in the middle of everything. Cincy, Wichita State, Seton Hall, uh, South Carolina. I mean, the, this, the diversity on this list is unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. And we should clarify, this is not a list he crafted. Right. It is just teams that he gave to ESPN that have reached out to him already since he entered the transfer portal. And... According to reports from Jeff Goodman, he kind of blindsided Purdue here and as a grad transfer is jumping ship with just one year left of eligibility. So he'll be immediately eligible and he is a really, really good player. There's a reason why 25 schools and counting have reached out to him here. He fits the zone really well, too. Yeah, if you did not reach out as a school, you are not doing your due diligence because Matt Harms and we've kind of talked about this a number of times now throughout this whole transfer period in the early going, like Seth Towns was probably one of the best transfers, all right? Alan Griffin is one of the best transfers. Matt Harms is the best transfer now. And his numbers, when you go to like his sports reference page or or his general stats page, they don't look anything too out of this world. I mean, in about 20 minutes, he's getting eight and a half points and four and a half rebounds. And you're thinking like, why does anyone want this kid? But the big number here is the blocks. The two blocks per game, which he has now done three years in a row, all of which while never averaging more than 23 minutes per game. And if you look into the deep dive of everything, the Ken Palm numbers are even better. His block percentage is almost at 13%, which is top 10 in the country amongst all players. He's a solid offensive rebounder. His offensive rating is pretty good as well. And then, I mean, he's very efficient from the field, and he can even step back and take a three for you every once in a while, too, which is something Syracuse really hasn't gotten out of big men. Yeah, he's very very much a modern center. I mean, the ability to step back and shoot the three, as you said, his shot-blocking numbers, he's 7'3", 250, but he's quick and agile. He really could be a pro one day. I'm kind of surprised that he hasn't put up better numbers. Yeah, 7'3 like is a big number for us there. Yeah. <laughs> like, height is... Seven foot three, that that's Pascal Chukwu, but I mean he's he's got a little bit better coordination, it seems like. Well, and you know. <laughs> imagine Pascal Chukwu and you can step out and take a three. Like yeah. Pascal Chukwu has never taken a three. Yeah, he's I would say he's a better player than Patrick Tepay, who they obviously just yes. missed out on. And obviously and he's done it is, at a high level at a high level conference. Yes, too. He looked really good when they made that deep run in the tournament and lost Virginia that year, and I guess that's the last tournament 
rest in peace and tough subject oh. here as we're recording where it would have been national title game as we're talking right now on Monday night. Yeah. But mm-hmm. anyway, he looked really good then. I thought his numbers would have been better, but this is kind of weird that he's just suddenly open as a grad transfer immediately eligible. Now, no short list here. It's not like Syracuse is automatically in the running, but as you said, a lot of random schools have reached out. The schools that might scare you, Kentucky, Louisville, but there's not, I mean, we haven't seen Duke yet, an emphasis on yet there, but right. it does feel like Syracuse maybe has a shot here, and it is the type of player they're looking for. And here's why I wouldn't be too afraid of Duke, and I say this now and we'll probably regret it in a day oh, or you two, know we will. but they just got to pay. Grad transfer, center, they don't need harms. And I don't know, maybe, who knows, maybe Patrick DePay had a little bit of intel too on the, what the rest of the market was going to shape out to be. And maybe that's why he decommitted from Duke for a hot second, because maybe he thought, oh, Duke might actually go after harms and that could hurt me. Or maybe Duke told that to him. Who knows? I don't know. I'm just making stuff up right now and probably triggering all the Blue Devil fans out there that might be listening to this. <laughs> but I wouldn't expect Duke to go after him. However, I would expect a number of other programs that are not on this list of more than 25 schools that are also big names to at least give a look into this. Like, I mean, you look at this list, you can probably cross off 15 schools right out of the gate. And obviously this is going to get slimmed down probably in the next couple of days or weeks. You'd think. But, I mean, this is a this list is pretty big right now, but it'll it'll get whittled down to 10. And just the way that Syracuse has really been a player so far in this transfer period, especially at the center position, you'd expect them to get a seat at the table with a guy like Matt Harms. And Matt Harms, like we've kind of mentioned, is perfect for this zone. He's got the length. He'll bring a defensive interior presence. And guess what? I think he could bring a little bit more offense than what he showed at Purdue. And especially if he's given the ability to stretch the floor as well. So... I mean, all in all, this could be a real premier land if Syracuse, A, gets a seat at the table, and B, can actually go out and, and get him to Central New York. Yeah, you with Tepay, it was like, I think he's going to be the starter if he comes. If you get harms, he's your starter. Like, he is your right. center, and he's a shot blocker and a scorer for you, and he completely changes the ceiling of your team. And we should mention... He does know Jesse Edwards at least a little bit. We've seen videos of them training together. They grew up kind of similar areas to each other in the Netherlands. So I don't know. I mean, on one hand, like, I don't think Jesse Jesse Edwards. Yeah, but would Jesse Edwards really want to bring in a center that's a little bit better than him? I, I don't know. I mean, he's just young in this process, too. And I think Edwards could borderline redshirt next year, but that's a whole nother topic. I think he obviously... If you know Harms and you're Jesse Edwards, you want to recruit him to make your team better, I guess. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe that's the perfect kind of way for for Jesse to be an understudy to Harms. Like, he's trained a little bit with him, but okay, let me spend a full season with him and exactly. really learn what it's like to be a big-time player at a big-time program because Harms has done that at Purdue. And, right. I mean, if he came to Syracuse, like, like you said, that changes all of next year. I mean, we kind of looked at next year like, okay – Is Griffin in the fold or not? And either way, they're still kind of a fringe at the NIT level. But with Harms and if Griffin's available, now you're really cooking. Because now you really got something in your starting five. Yeah. 
I'm calling it now, though. I think we just jinxed it, and he's going to end up going to Duke, and then Tepe is going to decommit again after he goes to Duke. Because <laughs> we said Duke's off the table, and you can never say that when you're talking about Syracuse and potential recruits that they're looking at. Although I will say this, before we get rid of our Matt Harms talk, Syracuse, you, you got to pump up the hair gel, okay? Because this is this guy loves his hair <laughs> gel. All right, so if you wanna if you wanna sweeten the pot a little bit without getting them in in hot water with the NCAA, hair gel, hair gel, hair gel. All right, he yeah. fixes his hair all the time. So whoever, the barbers for Syracuse hit this guy up, show him some love. All right. <laughs> all righty. Well, we'll leave it at that for Matt Harms on the hair gel subject. But when we come back, that fun Zoom conference that was going on during the national championship game, you had Coach Beheim, you had Hopkins join in, Carmelo join in. We're going to talk about who won that Zoom conference because it was a lot of fun. We'll recap that next. All right, so we flash back to Saturday night now where there was that fun Zoom conference. And by the way, the real winner during this quarantine has been Zoom, I think. I got to give them a round of applause. Oh, yeah. because Shout out Zoom. I didn't even know what the heck Zoom was, and I'm sure a lot of people are in the same camp that are listening, and now they're relying on it for basically their day-to-day life at this point. So I did see their CEO came out and said, like, yeah, we kind of messed up with the whole security of Zoom because Ooh. people have been, like, tapping in and, like, getting access codes into different things. Like, I don't know how many classes you've had to take on Zoom, Tim, but is it easy for like a kid in the class yeah. to like could you give me the the zoom code like could oh, yeah. i take your classes or just yeah like... i think the the host has to let you in but okay. there's like a waiting room that you would definitely make it into so okay. yeah that's probably an issue so it's like so maybe Syracuse they trying to land winner. transfers like i get in the waiting room but i might not actually get in the class <laughs> right. okay anyway uh the reason why we bring up Zoom, it was the Zoom conference on Saturday night during the live stream that CBS Sports is putting out at the re-air, I should say, of the 2003 national title. I will say it started out a little bit awkward. It was just Bayheim, G-Mac, Troy Weaver, and obviously Bayheim made headlines with what he said about Kevin Durant. We'll talk about Kevin Durant in the next segment. But then Carmelo came in, and Hop came in, and some of these other former players came in. And I'll say, I mean, it was thoroughly entertaining for an hour and a half there. It was just electric to watch those guys. It was like they had no idea that anyone else was watching them. It was really cool. If you haven't watched it, go back and check it out. You can find it. Just search Syracuse Orange on Facebook. Go to the page, and you can watch the full thing. It was great. My favorite part of this whole thing was the fact that I think they stole the show. Like, I didn't watch the game. I had it on the TV, (laughs) but... I was fixated on this live stream. It was that entertaining. And then like Mello hops in and Mello was not expected to be on this thing too. No. Like, you know, Syracuse would have pumped up the tires if they were sure that Mello was going to be in. And all of a sudden you see Carmelo Anthony enters the chat and that thing went from PG to rated R because he's <laughs> dropping F-bombs. He's probably got some vino flowing through the veins right there. I mean, it was a lot of fun to watch that entire thing. I just watch them kind of reminisce on everything that went down during that entire run yeah i mean it was just how you know you and your buddies would talk on zoom right and i guess that's what we should have expected i will say Bayheim especially and i think we kind of know this but like you often forget because we see Bayheim and he's never smiling when he's on the court and then he's never smiling when he's in the press conference but that was a different setting where it really showcased like 
he just couldn't take a smile off his face that entire night. He was cracking more jokes than anyone. Maybe it was because he found out about Alan Griffin hours before, because that came yeah. out literally right after that conference ended and Syracuse won the national title, kind of. So I don't know if that influenced Griffin, but Bayheim was just in a different element there. And it again goes to show you, like, as much as you want to be negative against Bayheim sometimes, and he doesn't seem like the happiest guy in the world, like, in a different setting, it can really bring that out of him, and it seems like his players really like him, and that was shown. So we all, from an outside perspective, view Bayheim as, like, this curmudgeon guy who's basketball everything all the time. And, yeah, basketball's obviously a huge part of his life, but nobody's got jokes like Coach B, okay? And <laughs> maybe we got to get Goody to do a story on the humor of Coach Bayheim because he is actually yeah. one of the quickest, wittiest, best-with-one-liners that I've ever seen. I mean, he's just a flat-out funny guy. And, yeah. and that that's why I've always low-key enjoyed him. And sometimes you don't even realize it. Like, sometimes he takes jabs at people, and you don't even realize it. But yeah. it, it's pretty funny the way that he goes about everything, and especially right. on the Zoom conference. You definitely got to see a little bit of that. Like, Carmelo joined, and he's like, I hope you're not gaining weight out there. And I was surprised that Carmelo <laughs> is still out in Portland. Yeah, I was surprised but... by that, too. Yeah, so that was pretty funny. And then Hop joins the call, and I guess that's kind of the most noteworthy thing here outside of what he said about Kevin Durant, of course, and we'll get to that, is just seeing him and Hop interact because we haven't seen that at all since, obviously, kind of an abrupt exit there. Maybe not so abrupt, but it was a little bit... It, was abrupt, it caught us a little yeah. bit off guard. So yeah. Hop joins. Beheim just was like, hey mike what's up like it's nothing and they just start kind of talking and i will say hopkins was great as we all love yeah. hopkins but you know anytime someone else talked matt gorman would say something and he was pretty funny too one of the guys that i was surprised how funny he was he hopped on and made a joe exotic joke right out of the gates right. but uh hopkins anytime someone talked he'd be like maddie gorman like what's that like <laughs> he just was so amazed to see everyone it was like that's he how didn't i'm gonna know. start Every yeah. podcast with you now. Timmy Leonard, what's going on, Matt? But yeah, one of my like, favorite. Look at Maddie Gorman. And he did that with <laughs> Weaver, too. And it was, it was just cool. I mean, seeing all those faces back together and what a cool memory for all those guys. And obviously, it was cool to just rewatch the game, too. This has actually been kind of good for maybe a Syracuse fan's perspective, this whole quarantine, because it does remind you like how many awesome Syracuse moments they've had or we've had under Bayheim. Another thing, getting back to Mello too with everything, he was the star of the show, I would say. And yeah. not just because of A, what he did on the court that night and, and B Craig the Forth fact was that pretty he good was, too. Yeah, yeah. I'll get into <laughs> Craig Fort's thoughts in a little bit. <laughs> but Mello was the star of the show for this for here's the reason why. When he got in the chat and starts letting loose and, and unfiltering the chat, that's when everyone else kind of loosened up too. Like that, he unlocked everyone feeling a lot more comfortable. Like, like you said, pretty awkward at the beginning. And in fairness, every Zoom conference ever, and a lot yeah. of you listening probably understand this from going to work and having to be on these things. Every Zoom conference ever starts off extremely awkward. And then you've got like the one hooligan of the office that hops on and loosens everyone up. That's what Mello was. He was the one that loosened this group up, and that's when the stories started to pour out, too, from it, too. And you even got Mello prodding at Bayheim and Hopkins, like, yo, 
we need a accuse Washington game. And then you kind of got a little insight where Hop says, yeah, I learned from Jim. Like, if you're from the West, you don't go play East. If you're from the East, you don't go play West. It's never going to happen yeah. between the two of us. It was funny. They were joking about that time they played UCLA. And right. Like, yeah, yeah. Remember that coach? That, that was a mistake <laughs> there. So, yeah. Anyway, it, it seems like they're all on good terms there. Hop and Coach Beheim. And yeah, I will say it was a little awkward at times when like the media came in. There was yeah. a lot of I thought Tariko was great. Tariko was great on it. I mean, Pete Thamel comes in and like actually starts reporting on things. Yeah, and right. It's like, what are you doing, man? Like, let these guys watch their their shining moment. And yeah, and I, he comes I will in and say, starts reporting. When Thamel came in, that was like some of the more entertaining stuff. When Beheim talked about how Josh Pace's mom started crying and like the yeah, whole Stevie nine Thompson yards. too. Yeah, yeah, that was interesting, but it was also just like maybe not the forum to be like actually reporting. But right. I, Mark Johnson hopped on, and <laughs> I mean, we were getting a kick out of that because that guy's voice is one of a kind, of course. Right. And it seemed like the players just we're having laughs on laughs there was some sort of insight i mean there were a number of inside jokes but there was definitely some sort of inside joke because when mark johnson hopped on and you can go back and rewind the tape and i think it's still up somewhere when mark johnson hops on every single player goes shirt into mouth and just starts cackling like something was up and gmac even kind of gave him a a parting line was like hey man i need you to record my voicemail or something like that at the end (laughs) too (laughs) yeah that was good um, oh, I want to get my Craig forethought in too before okay, uh, go for it. we yeah. kick out real quick. Um, when there was that part, probably like in the middle of it, probably around halftime, when he says, when Mello says, like, hey, like Craig Forth really turned it on in the tourney. Craig Forth's now a principal too. Yeah. Um, if I'm Craig Forth, like right after the Pledge of Allegiance played, I am playing that Mello clip over the loudspeaker. <laughs> True. Because, like, you got mellow kind of pumping your tires right there. I'm letting every single student know, like, A, I won a national championship in college, and B, I've got my stamp of approval from mellow. That is how you gain credibility with your students. Right. What did he say? I think he was like, yeah, I mean, I'm awesome, mellow. Or something. like, he just had some <laughs> He had quick one line. Like, he, he's from the Bayheim School of Comedy, all right? He, yes. he just had the quick, totally. witty one-liners. Like, Bayheim said, there was the one point where – um where mellow was like <laughs> he's like Beheim, you told me to pack my shit up and leave and then craig ford was like yeah you told me that too but i never listened so uh you <laughs> yeah. kind of got stuck with me <laughs> yeah collecto Wayne was pretty funny too i mean we could yeah. talk about this forever there we're forgetting some stories too so if you missed it go back and watch on the syracuse facebook page and you know it started out a little shaky with troy weaver just kind of chewing and not much chatter and <laughs> Again, then it the really did get great so yeah i mean craig forth wasn't even minutes. watching the game and right. he was still delivering lines like he was watching cartoons or something or who knows maybe he was being sarcastic i don't know but yeah. it seemed like he was not actually watching yeah it's awesome they set that up though it's yeah. really it was a great idea that came true and it was great and that mellow and they've said too that they might try to do another one at some point. And if yeah, you miss this tough, one, definitely but... tune into the next one. Right. Yeah, for sure. So anyway, the big news from this that we can take away is Beheim just dropped a bomb and came out with this take that he basically claimed that if Kevin, if Troy Weaver would have stayed, the assistant coach, of course, left in 2004, 2004 Kevin Durant would have came to Syracuse, which really came out of left field. No one knew anyone was 
close on the Syracuse side to landing Kevin Durant. Now we got to play it out. We got to play out that fantasy. What if Kevin Durant came? How much would that have changed things? We'll dive into that next. Okay, for years we thought maybe the biggest what if in Syracuse history was what if Michael Vick came? I do think that probably still tops this, but now we have to introduce what if Kevin Durant came to Syracuse after what Coach Beheim said in that Zoom conference. He said if Troy Weaver stayed the assistant coach, Durant would have come. Of course, he went to Texas. And initially, Ty, I thought at first that doing the math in my head that he would have been a part of GMAC's senior team. And I got a little bit woozy just thinking about it. But then I realized GMAC would have <laughs> graduated. That's the quarantine brain working. <laughs> exactly. GMAC would have graduated. It was 06, 07, actually an NIT mm-hmm. year for Syracuse. So it would have been kind of well-timed in a sense because I don't think they would have made the NIT if Kevin Durant comes. But he obviously would have been a one-and-done guy. He put up 26 points, 11 rebounds at Texas. We know who Kevin Durant is now. And it is a great what-if because I do think it kind of changes who Syracuse basketball is and how maybe kids view them 10, 15 years from now. It's definitely. And I mean, look at the one, two punches of these different colleges. Okay. Like the one, two punch that you could sell that. Okay. You're walking through the halls of the mellow center. All right. And on the walls, you've got Carmelo Anthony and Kevin Durant. Would any school in the country have a better one, two selling point? Because, like, I'm looking through it. Duke? Maybe no. Duke, yeah. But, like, I'm looking through Duke, and in terms of, like, look at the active NBA alums. It's Kyrie Irving, and next is probably what? Brandon Ingram? Jason Tatum? Tatum? Like, I mean, Zion. <laughs> Zion now, but, I yeah. mean, for uh, that's, like, a, a year ago. I mean, y- you've been, you've, yeah. now you'd be looking at, for over a decade, selling KD Mello. That is as strong as it gets, I think. Yeah. Well, for that generation, too, because a lot of those guys in that time period didn't even go to college. And obviously, I guess Durant was at the time period. He probably would have skipped it if he could have, but he had to go to school. Right. And I was listening back. I I remember Durant brought up Syracuse on the Bill Simmons podcast a while ago, and we tweeted this out at LO underscore Syracuse because I went back and listened to it after Beheim teased us with this comment. And he did mention Syracuse, or actually, he didn't even really mention it at first, but Simmons asked him, like, who, who, what were the other schools on your list before you decided Texas? And he said UNC was basically right there, and he almost went to UNC, he said. And he said UConn, and I think one other school. And then his agent chimed in and was like, what about Syracuse? Like, weren't you into them? And he was like, no, I never visited there. But it made it seem like his agent and him had talked about it. And maybe that was because of a foundation that started with Weaver back in like 0403. And he did say something like Syracuse was pretty good back then, but he never visited. Yeah. So I don't think it was actually close by the time he made the call. But I mean, I don't think Beheim's just going to say that unless there is some truth to it. Right. I mean, where there's smoke, there's fire. So obviously yeah. a little bit of something there, but... I, I just keep looking back at what, what that selling point could have been because I think you and I have always been of the, the nature that because of what Mello did in the, or I guess has done and is still doing to a degree in the NBA, that Syracuse players largely get a pass because there have not been a lot of yeah. great pros out of Syracuse totally. these last, what, 10, 15, 20 years. 
They're really ha- it's it's mellow Jeremy and then Grant. who's next? Yeah, Jeremy Grant's probably next. I mean, Michael Carter Williams had his moment in the sun after he won Rookie of the Year, but he's kind yeah. of fallen off the the face of the the earth. Waiters in terms of is kind of stardom. Yeah, Waiters yeah. has had. I mean, the most relevant thing it feels like he's done is is the pot brownie thing. True. So yeah, that that kind of shows you where where that is. So if you had that selling point, I mean. You're looking at two guys that really could have elevated the name of this program. And again, Syracuse is already in a pretty elite group in terms of names uh, and brands in college basketball. But I mean, I think that that definitely puts them up in like the the Duke Carolina and at least kids are thinking of them in a Duke Carolina sort of sense because they have Mello and then they would have had Durant as players to pass through the program. I think it just changes the identity of them. And it really also, does, yeah. Durant would have been perfect in the 2-3 zone. I started thinking yeah. about it too much because, I mean, talk about, he could have played the anchor position. He could have played wing. Like, he yeah. was a beast in college. And he's 6'10", 220. I know he's really skinny, but he's so rangy, so lanky. Like, he could make the Warwick type of block that won that national title. Yeah. You know? He could go out and get it. Perfect athlete for the zone. So it would have been a good fit in that sense. But... You're right. That one-two punch is outstanding, and more than anything, it probably just makes Syracuse more of a player in the one-and-done, more of a player in the NBA sort of circles, and I, I think that it resonates a little bit more with kids and five-star recruits if you get someone like that, because at the end of the day, all, the, all a five-star really cares about is like, not all they care about, but a large part of what they care about is get me to the league, and that's why Kentucky right. and Duke are getting a lot of these guys, so if Syracuse had the selling point of, hey, not only do we have Mello, we have KD, like two of the best players at the forward position, literally in NBA, maybe not history, but like definitely oh, yeah, recent I think, memory. Yeah, no, use the H word. I think history yeah, is definitely. probably history. Definitely I mean, Durant. We're not and saying Mello like for top sure five, is, but like yeah. Kevin Durant's going to go down as a top five forward in NBA history. Mello a little bit further outside of that. But I mean, you look at this recent generation and again, the kids, they say that we have a recency bias out of the things that we just said about KD and Mello. Fine, I don't care. But guess what? Every other kid that is making True. their decision has that same recency bias that we just threw at you. Okay? Yeah. So you want to attract players to the program? That's the way to do it. I mean, KD, he's the best player probably, I mean, ever since LeBron came into the league. And again, LeBron didn't go to college, but. Ever since LeBron came into the league, which is pretty much the lifespan of most of these kids that are going to yeah. be making decisions over these next couple of years. They're the LeBron era of kids. KD is the best player in the NBA that went to college. And you can throw Kawhi, you can throw um, maybe Steph Curry at me. KD's better than them, and KD resonates with them more. Giannis obviously yeah. didn't go to college, but with with that with a guy like KD, like he's the one. He is... He yeah, is kind of the, right. the one and done guy. Um that that's Man. yeah, he's the best player. It kind of stinks. I think we should stop talking about this. Yeah. <laughs> because we, it's probably hurting we, people. Yeah. We we've <laughs> done our hypotheticals here. Right. I, I do think it you know, I, I also started to think about it and I'll just say this before we go. Texas, like, they haven't really changed that much by getting Durant. So maybe that stuff's a little bit overblown. Like Texas, it, you don't think of them as like a one and done school. I mean, occasionally, but that's Even more though the they really position. have done that, yeah. 
yeah the center position exactly right i don't know so it's a huge what if now and obviously troy weaver leaving maybe if he stayed it would have led to that but you just never know at this point so syracuse is still one of those top programs and we'll leave it at that for now but we're going to talk some football tomorrow with a fun guest sterling hoffrichter is going to be the next couple days here on locked on syracuse and he's going to be fun i think it's going to be fun to dive into I mean, he's really a fan favorite and someone who, honestly, going through his stats and stuff to get ready for this interview, like, he just put up numbers year in and year out. I mean, All-American this year. Yeah, exactly. I mean, everyone loves the Riley Dixon story. You and I yeah. are in that camp, too. We're, we, we were in that Riley Dixon cult, all right? But when you really dive into the numbers, I mean, Sterling Hoffrichter dwarfs Riley Dixon's numbers. And that's no slight on on Dixon because yeah. he had a great Syracuse career and he's in the NFL making millions right now as a punter. Yeah, Sterling Hoffrichter's numbers were much better in college, and we'll we'll display some of them too tomorrow. Totally, and Dixon uh, had some of the flashy plays, Thursday. but right, yeah. No, it'll be fun. We're gonna have that the next two days. Sterling's obviously getting ready for the NFL and the draft and everything, so we'll pick his brain on that, and that's gonna be a fun conversation. Check out that the next two days on Lockdown Syracuse. You can also check out the Lockdown NFL Draft podcast, because honestly, the NFL Draft is one of the few things to get ready for and look forward to right now in the sports world, unfortunately. But Syracuse is still giving us news, and we will have it every single weekday for you. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. For Tyler, I'm Tim. Stay safe, everyone.